Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm so thankful that you joined me on Words of Truth today. Today we're going to be talking about how to live in harmony with one another. I think we would all agree that we live in a disharmonious world today. I mean, come on, various social groups are warring with one another. Uh, females are struggling with inequities in the workplace. Governments are trying to manage social unrest of all kinds, and countries are warring against one another and sometimes within one another. I mean, you read the news, you know what I'm talking about. And that's all terrible uh, to talk about and to report, but what's even worse than that is when Christians don't get along with one another. I've been a pastor for the better part of 40 years now. I've served in nine different churches, and so I've had a wide variety of experiences in churches. To a large degree, my experiences serving in churches has been well, relatively positive. But it always grieves me when a person or a group of persons in a church take it upon themselves to be the official opposition, almost like the government. You know, you have the majority party in powder, but then you have the official opposition. And it's their job to criticize and scrutinize and even oppose what the majority power is proposing. And sometimes it's an all-out war between the parties. Sometimes it can get so bad that the party in power can't even do, get anything done. And so here in Canada, they call an election, hoping to get more people elected in their party so that they can overrule the minority government, but they're still not harmony, unfortunately. I've observed that churches can be the same way. If a small minority group of people decide they're going to be the official opposition, well, they start criticizing everything in the church. They don't like the song choices on Sunday, and they start trying to convince everybody else to join their party, or they decide the drums are too loud, or the piano isn't loud enough, and well, those guitars, they just hurt my ears. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Someone. Someone thinks the pastor preaches too long. Uh, other people decide he doesn't preach long enough. Uh, one group thinks he should use more illustrations and applications, and another group thinks that he should talk more about the meaning of the Greek and Hebrew words, and some people think we ought to talk about the history, and somebody thinks that we ought to talk more about the end time. I mean, I served in one church where I served the Lord's Supper in the middle of the service. Can you imagine? And somebody complained, we always have it at the end of the service because it's biblical. Okay. Churches have split over the most ridiculous things, over the color of the new carpet or which side of the auditorium the organ or the piano sits on. I mean, it can just get so ridiculous what people choose to focus on and complain about and even cause church splits over. And I wonder if those same people that we're calling the official opposition, ever stop to consider if they're being pleasing to God by their actions. I wonder if they stop, ever stop to consider that maybe their preferences are not the preferences of other people, and that maybe they should lay aside their preferences for the preference of somebody else. You say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know. I have my rights. I have, you know, I like things like everybody else. Well, listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition. What? 
That's right. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. In what? In humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. I'm just reading from the Bible to you folks. This is what it says. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Wow. And then Paul went on to use the illustration of Jesus when he wrote in verses 5 to 8, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, we're talking about Jesus, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He what? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Christ gave us the ultimate example of giving up his own rights for the sake of others. And he went as far as giving his own life on a cross so that we could have what we could never do for ourselves gain forgiveness for our sins, and enter into a relationship with God. And that's the example we're to follow as his children. We're called to follow Christ in living a humble life, giving up our own rights and privileges and benefits. Why? For the sake of somebody else. Now, somebody might complain, yeah, but, you know, what what do I get out of the deal? (laughs) And again, Jesus becomes our model. In verse 9, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In other words, God rewarded Jesus for his humility in giving his life for others by exalting him. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to exalt us the same way he exalted Christ. But what I'm saying is that when we live in humility and give up our rights and preferences for the sake of others, that there's a blessing in God in store for us. I love Psalm 133. Verses 1 to 3 says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. You see, King David praised God's people for living together in harmony. He said how good and how pleasant it is. I think we can all agree with that. The body of Christ that we call the church, it's a really wonderful thing when all of God's people love each other and live together in harmony, but it can be a miserable place to be when there's disharmony of any sort. Now, David uses two illustrations to help us to understand the joy of living together in harmony with each other. First, he mentions the oil that was used to anoint the priests. You see, it was through the anointing of this oil that the priests were marked as people totally separated unto God. They were God's special vessels set apart to do his will. Now, Jesus used that same illustration concerning himself. When he said in Luke chapter 8, or 4 rather, verses 18 and 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and 
recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He was anointed for all that. And the Apostle John said to his readers that they all had been anointed with the Holy Spirit when he said in 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 27, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge, but the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie just as it has been taught you, abide in him. In other words, as members of the body of Christ, we've all been set apart to do the will of God. And by doing his will and sharing his love with one another, we create unity in the body, and in turn, God can use us greatly. But then David also uses the illustration of the morning dew. He said, It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. In other words, when we live in harmony with one another, not only will God use us greatly, but we'll also be blessed by God. Now, I don't know of many things that are a symbol of goodness and freshness better than the morning dew. The dew says to us, here's a brand new day for you to enjoy. You see, the Lord wants his people to enjoy each and every day, which is possible whenever we live together in love and unity. And so the next time that you feel like you're called to be the official opposition in your church, your business, wherever you are, complain about whatever bee is under your bonnet, stop to consider if by your complaining and opposition, you're creating unity or disunity. You know, there's a way to extract honey from a honeycomb, and there's a way not to. You don't go and beat a honeycomb with a bat and expect not to get stung. Instead, you respect the bees and gently lift the honeycomb from its place and let the bees continue to produce honey. If you want to make change in your church or your place of business or wherever you are, in your home, don't beat people people up by harassing them. By refusing to follow the leaders, insisting that your way is better and that others are incompetent. Rather, go to those in leadership with love. Gently ask them to consider your thoughts. And if they don't agree, then, well, maybe you should give up your own rights by humbling yourself, becoming submissive, following the example of Christ. You see, those leaders have been put there by God. And ultimately, they'll have to answer to God for the decisions they make. I know that's not popular preaching today, but that's what the Bible says. And then then pray. For the Bible says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Thanks for listening today. I hope you join me again next week.